0: Good morning my lovely jubblies, it's Monday the 13th of March, I hope you guys are set up to have a fabulous week. Today we are jumping into episode 219 here on the RR Show, the best show on the internet, calling to me and my mum. So today we are jumping into a little bit of malicious compliance. Our first story today is coming in courtesy of Supervisor Confessions and the story is titled, Telling on Myself. So many years ago, we were working on a job that had some scaffolding. This is very easy to install scaffolding that doesn't require a mason or professional scaffolding company to install. It's made of fiberglass and just like locks together very quickly and easily. However, the scaffolding we had was getting pretty old and beat up. It was already at the end of its life and it needed to be replaced. So I approached my assistant director and asked for authorization to buy new scaffolding. I already had a quote for $18,000, so I just needed approval." Assistant director takes it to the director and, surprisingly, he says, Yeah, we actually have some money for equipment and safety supplies right now, but we should ask the other shop to see if anyone else needs equipment too. The director gets a huge wish list of equipment from all the various shops. We end up near the bottom of the ten. All this discussion and back and forth gets us nowhere. I was begging the assistant director every few weeks that we needed this scaffolding and he just shrugged his shoulders and said that the director was still deciding. Six months later and we still don't have approval to buy the new scaffolding. Around the six-month mark, I get contacted by a member of our safety team, Sarah. A photographer was visiting various jobs on campus to take photos for an in-house newsletter. One of the photos was of our scaffolding and Sarah saw the photo. She noticed that some of the braces weren't installed correctly. A minor error, but still safe. And she just wanted to let me know to have it corrected. Here's where the malicious compliance came in. I suddenly got the idea to have a site visit with Sarah and another safety person, Anne, who was the primary scaffolding trainer. I invited both of them to personally inspect it and give their advice. While we were there, I pointed out everything. Everything. That was wrong with the scaffolding i told them how old it was how many parts had already broken how i was really wanting to replace it they both agreed that the scaffolding was unsafe and tagged it as out of service and told me to no longer use it oh shucks i asked for them to put it in writing which they did right away i printed off the email marched right into the assistant director's office and handed him the email I told him that the scaffolding isn't safe to use anymore and that we had to stop our job immediately. We were right in the middle of a large, complicated job, and no other equipment could be used. I told him, if I order that new scaffolding, I can have it here in two to three weeks. He sighed and gave me approval. I immediately ordered it, and he approved the purchase the next day. A few weeks later, we got our shiny new scaffolding. I love it when companies are like, yeah, you need a little bit of money for some, like, really important equipment that's integral for your job and the safety of people. And they're like, no, no, it's fine. We can get another two, three months use out of it. You know, after all, employees are replaceable. And we've got insurance for a reason, right? Right. Next up from Yen 1969. You know your rights. Mm, OK, go for it. The background. My ex and I were three months into separation as I kept suggesting divorce agreements, trying to find out what she would accept other than take her back and return to being a doormat for her. I have a good head for legal documents and understood very early that as much as I would prefer to just burn everything down and disappear, legally it was very likely I was going to be paying alimony and she was entitled to a fair share of everything. But in a no-fault state with no gender preferences, it did mean a fair share. It was clear that legally I would not get an approval for an agreement heavily biased in her favour. So I kept reworking and sending possible diversions every few days or months. She would object to anything that put any responsibility on her, anything that left something of value out of her hands. Anytime I asked her what term she would be okay with, she would just derail the conversation to something else. Not long into this, I realised that I would need a paper trail, so everything went to email only. Through all of this, I had recognised too that a court would order spousal support, so there wasn't any point in just cutting her off financially. Not a total doormat at this point, though. I had moved my direct deposit to a solo account and kept up her weekly cash flow, and kept paying the bills. But my final offer in this period was the heavily unbalanced offer of splitting the cars one to each, me taking all the debt, including her student loans, paying her 3-4k a month for a year so she could get her feet under her, and she gets all the stuff. I walk away with my car, my dog, some tools, and some clothes. No go. Not good enough for her. And so we get to the meat of the story for the malicious compliance. Three months in, I finally get her to agree to a mediator since I am getting nowhere. She shows up to the initial meeting. The first time we have seen each other in a while, the second time since splitting. She was staying with her sister. The mediator starts out with the results of mediation and the agreement to sign. I sign easily. She balks but signs it finally. One of the relevant terms is that we agree to not file any other legal paperwork. We would come to an agreement and the mediator would file the final court papers on both our behalfs to get the divorce ordered. The mediator starts asking basic questions and every question to either of us results in my ex launching into an irrelevant topic attempting emotional manipulation of me or him. I quickly resolve to grey rock her directly and only direct my interactions to the mediator. I do my best to ignore her off-topic ramblings and reply to the mediator when she briefly crossed relevancy like someone falling from a tree and briefly being stopped by various branches on the way down. The peak was when she literally crawled on top of the big table to stick her face in mine to force me to see her and engage in her ranting. The mediator called it quits at that point. He reminded her of the rules she agreed to, gave her homework to fill out, and had her schedule the next meeting with his clerk two weeks out. Three days later, I got served with a summons to court for a hearing over spousal support. The summons shows the claim my ex made was all I would received from her in three months was $130. Oh boy, not true, not true at all, not to mention in violation of the mediator terms. So I end up on a conference call with the ex and the mediator as he tells her that she needs to withdraw the complaint or mediation can't continue. She adamantly insists that she knows her rights. So the mediator ends his involvement, cuts us refund checks minus time worked so far and exits stage left. I prepare for the hearing. I print out three months of bank statements and highlight every transfer to her, every bill paid on her behalf, every ATM withdrawal by her card. Over 100 total bills I'd received from her just driving through express lane tolls, so I got the elevated license plate fee mailed to me. $1,300 and change. Yeah, you missed a couple of zeros in your complaint, didn't you? I thought. My final stack of paper was rather thick, so I made and printed an Excel spreadsheet summary for the cover sheet. I also looked up the spousal support rules again, and it's 40% of the difference between the income goes from the higher paid to the lower paid. Some little wiggle room, but that's it. Simple. She was currently getting up to 72% of my pay once you factored her bills in. This court hearing was a good thing. Not as good as a mediator and fast resolution, but I wasn't likely to end up screwed more here. Ah, not to mention I had some daydreams of her finding out what lying on court documents might do. Court date rolls around. I show up to court, waiting in the hall outside the family law section. She shows up and plops herself next to me to start going off on me again. I try to ignore her, then to keep from engaging... I start a written transcript of her ranting using the back cover of my paperwork folder. Finally, she realized what I'm doing and ends the ranting with, Oh, I guess you're writing what I'm saying so you can make your friends hate me. Oh, believe me, they need no encouragement. She huffs a few seats away and is quiet the rest of the time we waited. The court officer, not a judge, just someone authorized to handle it since it's a simple and clear legal process, finally comes to get us, and we head in. The officer starts the legal speeches, yada yada, and then asks my ex if she has anything to add to the complaint. She launches into a roller rollercoaster speech proclaiming all my bad faults, some of which were real. How mean I was to try to divorce her and how I obviously didn't need any of the money I made because he's just going to live somewhere simple and cheap anyway. Yeah, her words. The court officer returns to the present like someone climbing down from the kitchen table after seeing a rat run by and she asks me if there's anything I'd like to say. She can see the stack of paper and eyeballs it as she's talking. I hand over the stack, tell the officer that the summary sheet is on top to help clear up the financial points in question, and just verbally starts going through the items. At each one, my ex interrupts to give a reason why that item shouldn't count. Every. Single. One. The officer keeps asking her to stop interrupting, but to no avail. We finally finish the list. The officer is shaking her head slightly and says, Mrs. Yan, this court process is to ensure that both parties are doing the right thing, so all of the, and gestures to encompass the stack of paper, needs to stop right now. We will garnish your paychecks for the amount specified by law and send that to her instead. I know it's a win. I knew it was going to be. She didn't. She sat there all smug as we get into the calculations. I asked for a couple of adjustments to keep the amount of her car payment since I co-signed and I wanted to be sure the bill was paid. I expected that she would refuse or overspend on stuff and be unable to pay it. I didn't want to give her the power to trash my credit. The officer agreed. I then asked to keep the insurance payment amount too for much of the same reason. Also agreed by the officer. My ex continued to be smug. I know she was thrilled at the idea of getting a court check directly. It sure would show me. Everything wrapped up. We got the total signed papers. I handed over a check for the first payment and the officer got up to make copies of everything. I asked the officer if I could wait in another room while she did and got an agreement with a bit of a side eye at my ex. I got my paperwork first, with the officer saying, It might take a few minutes for her to get her paperwork, but you're free to go. I got the hint and left immediately. I parked a few streets away anyway another barrier if she couldn't park near me. I got in my car and immediately called my cell carrier and cancelled her phone. Does she want to set up her own plan? I can't answer that. I'm obeying a court order to remove her from my accounts. Okay, and worked down the remaining subscriptions I was paying for that she used. I even had the bills in front of me from the court with account numbers and customer service numbers right there. I was done. I was driving back home when she started blowing up my phone with incoming emails, demanding to know what I was doing. Then texts from her sister's phone. Then calls. I just grinned and didn't answer any of them. She stopped after an hour or so and gave me a few hours of silence. Then an all-caps email with a screenshot of the Netflix inactive account message. Oh my god, even Netflix? I admit, I giggled. The fallout wasn't over though. A month later, after she realized how much less she has from me after winning her case, she files an appeal. It's denied due to lack of reason. A month later, she files a complaint that uh, I wasn't paying her car payment, just an excuse to get into court. I had been paying it, and I was also pretty confident that even if I hadn't, she didn't know how to get into that loan's account. She legally could, just never had cared to learn how. I had a lawyer at this point and we both go to court. She's going to join by phone. The officer paused before calling and tells my lawyer, this lady's a piece of work. The validation of that statement will always remain with me. The call goes predictably. My ex makes irrelevant rants. The officer keeps shutting her down. Finally asks my ex for proof that I wasn't paying the car payment. As she is holding statements and check images proving I had. My ex nearly screams, I just know he isn't so he can hurt me. The officer replies, I'm holding proof that he has paid it and is satisfying his legal obligation. This complaint is dismissed, thank you, and hangs up on my ex. The divorce took another 10 months. Lots of crazy, teaches her newbie lawyer a hard lesson, and I walked away with even less alimony than the spousal support and only had 60% of the debt. I lost my dogs to her though. My only real regret in the outcome. One is certainly past old age limits now, and the other is in that range. I still miss them.
1: Do you enjoy science, spooky stories, and all things paranormal? We do too. While we would love for most paranormal stories to be true, we are here to tell you that they probably aren't. But that doesn't make them any less fun to speculate about. We are the Spooky Science Sisters podcast.